0: In Romans, studying the gospel, God's gospel. And you notice there, a lot of, in the study, we talk about the study of two cultures. Um, you know, there was a great book called A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> there's, but we live in, the, in two cultures uh, there's the world, and then there's God's culture. And we see that God's gospel infiltrates. And it really shows us his culture, which is above all cultures. It's it's interesting as we look through this. uh, We've been studying. It's a great uh, opportunity to really dissect and get to know God's gospel and how he defines it according to his culture, his word, his life, that we might glorify him and not glorify ourselves. And today it's really easy there's a, a continued movement to glorify the culture above the gospel, or to use the culture to define the gospel, rather than God defining His own gospel. And of course, that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks: is how God defines the gospel. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Romans four, uh, one verses four through seven. And it'll be wonderful as we look at the purpose of the gospel or the good news. The purpose of what God is doing. What is the gospel for? We want to answer that question. Or what is it meant to do in my life? What is the gospel meant to do? What is Jesus supposed to do in my life? Because Jesus is the gospel. And as if Jesus is the gospel, then what does Jesus do to me because of the gospel. And so we want to make sure and do that. And this is a great opportunity for us to, to learn and grow, and so that we, we can be encouraged and talk to others about Resurrection Sunday and about the resurrection, about what Easter really is about and what it's not about. In fact, I don't know if you know that the word Easter comes from the word Ishtar, which was, a goddess in the uh, Phoenicians celebrated and, uh, and the god of spring, the goddess of spring. So it's kind of interesting to follow the etymology of words, where they come from. And, uh, and in fact, during the Seder uh, meal that we partook of on Wednesday, we learned of the afikomen, uh, the the unleavened bread that was hidden and then found right? And the picture of Christ that's there. It was the, the original Easter egg hunt. If you want to learn more about the Seder or the picture of Christ in the Passover, I have a book in my office about that and it's a great study and to talk about that. Well, let's pray and then read our text and jump into the importance and the purpose of the gospel this morning. Lord, we thank you and we praise you because, Lord, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's not just our bodies and our abilities that you have made, but it is, it is our salvation. It is that which was given to us that we didn't deserve that grace by which we have been saved because of trusting in the work of Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. But more than that, when he rose again, and he conquered death. And through that resurrection, because Lord, he is perfect, because of course he is the Lord. Lord, he has uh, taught us so much about what the gospel truly is. Thank you for instructing us and showing us how uh, that we can live our life because of the gospel. Or what does it mean for us because of the good news that we have a Savior who has saved us from our sin. Lord, I just pray that it would uh, open our eyes to even more things this morning uh, to show us who you are and how great you truly are. So, Lord, teach us, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1 through 7, again, it says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle you'll hear that word later on in our text, having been set apart for the gospel of God, which He promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning His Son, who has been born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, who is designated as the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead, Christ Jesus, our Lord, through whom we've received grace and apostleship, For the obedience of the faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, among whom you also are called the called of Christ Jesus, to whom who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel we see in this text in verses 4 through 7 has a very specific purpose. Uh, Also, we remember from last week that the gospel is Christ. We can't, there is no other gospel. To say that the gospel is something else is really to have no gospel at all. To redefine the gospel and to remove Christ is no gospel. The gospel is Christ. We have to have Christ. And so in that aspect of that the gospel is Christ, we learn some very important purposes when it comes to the gospel, and that has a very important, specific reason why we have the gospel. So what is the gospel for, and what does it mean to you in your life? That's a very dangerous thing. Many times when we say, that what does it mean to you, we translate something according to our own purpose. But again, the gospel is according to the purpose of Christ. It's according to Christ. There's a very important word that you need to note because it demands our attention for our text today. And that is in verse 5. It says, through whom? That word through means a channel. It's like a pipe, right? We have pipes in our house which, which water flows, right? We hope it flows through the pipes, right? If, if the pipe is damaged, it may not, the water may not flow through the pipe. I, I hate plumbing because it's just a disaster waiting to happen. I've had a plumber that's, you know, a master plumber Who's training somebody else? Come and and do our plumbing, only to find that it's leaking a week later. So he comes and he fixes it, and he'll tell you, water just finds its way through any crack, anything, any weakness. It'll flow. It's pretty amazing as we look at this. But it says here that the, this gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ, in who he says at the end of verse 4, through whom we've received grace and apostleship. The first thing that we realize is what is the gospel for? Is that the gospel is the conduit of God's message of grace. There is no other conduit in which we receive grace. You can do all the good in life and you will not receive the grace that we need to live our life. We will not receive the grace we need to be godly. We will not receive grace in order to be right in God's eyes. This is the very purpose of the gospel in which the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again and conquered death to bring us good news that he paid for our sin. Not only that, but that he paid for our sin, but he brought peace, right? He satisfied God's wrath. It's the very conduit. That's why in John 1, verse 16, we see this amazing statement. It says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through the same word that we have in our text, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the conduit in which we receive grace. If you are trying to receive grace from God in any other fashion, you will not receive it. We want grace. We want to receive that which we don't deserve. Because we are not perfect. We need God's perfection in our life to enjoy our relationship with Him. We need that grace. And it says in verse 16 that grace literally has been grace upon grace. What he's saying is grace continually multiplying. That's like grace times grace, times grace, times grace, times grace. You know what that does, right? You know those I forget the mathematical term right off the top of my head. But you know how it just continues to multiply? Two plus two times two is four. Times four is 16. Times 16 is 32. Times 32 is 64. Times And right off the top of my head, and now I'm lost, right? It just keeps going, right? It's multiplying. That's what it's saying here. Through Christ, we've received grace and apostleship. Right? Its the speaking of this overflow and abundant grace that flows into our life that continues to flow. The purpose of the gospel is this is to be that conduit. Without Christ, we do not have that conduit. Second Corinthians 3, Paul continues to, to explain this concept to, the church in Corinth, about God's grace in verse 3 through 6. He says, And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of the human heart. As they were saved and as they came to Christ and as they became a church, as they began to fellowship with one another, they literally, their heart was showing that they, were, that they were carrying Christ. Verse 4, he says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. They had this great sufficiency. They had grace because of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. Their confidence wasn't in themselves, but in the sufficiency of what Christ had done for them. This was a specific mission field to which Paul, in which we, it says in verse 5, it says, we received grace and apostleship. And you wait, wait a minute, I thought the apostleship ended. This is quite, this is a little confusing. And this specific mission held to which Paul had been called as an apostle. Now we observe, we obviously are not apostles, but we've received this grace. And the word apostle, this called to be this messenger. Does this mean that because we are not apostles, that we don't carry God's message? No. Indeed, we actually are called to carry this message of grace. Do you recall the Great Commission, Matthew 28? What does he say? He says, go therefore, or as you go in life, right? Make disciples, giving out this gospel of grace, telling them to observe all that I've commanded you. So we are to, as we go in life, carry this message. That was what Paul was intending to say to the church in Rome, and he wasn't calling them to be apostles, but to carry this message as he had been called to carry this message, so we to carry this message of grace. But it's important to realize that it it came through Christ, this conduit. Secondly, we see that the gospel is the conduit for true obedience for all. The gospel is the conduit for true obedience for all. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we see something here. What is the purpose of the gospel? What does the gospel do for us? The word here, in if we look through in verse 5, it says, For the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. For is a modifier. It's modifying the fact that God is the gospel, that Christ is the gospel. And he's saying, when he says obedience of faith, he means obedience that springs from faith. Or we could say it in the sense of faith is obedience because when I trust in Christ, I'm obeying the command of God, right? Mark chapter one and verse 14, Jesus came and he came with this message, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. He called them to repent, to turn from their sin and to believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in him. To have faith in Christ is to be obedient. To be obedient is to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's this amazing circle. Do you see the call of the gospel? All of us have this calling to labor in going, in the going of our day, to have faith, which is obedience. From this we see the purpose of the gospel is Christian maturity to grow in Christ. And this is the important truth for us. So often we are busy, so busy laboring and for things that we see as important, we labor and we look to things. We say, this is important, this is important, and this is important. But it, when it comes to God's will in our life, here he d- identifies as obedience. And we fall so short of this a great author about God. Um, He writes about this. Jerry Bridges comments on 1 John 2, verse 1. And he says the whole purpose of John's letter, he says, is that we not sin. One one day, Jerry Bridges said, as I studied this chapter, I realized that my personal life's objective regarding holiness was less than that of what John was saying in the gospel. in 1 John chapter 2, he was saying, in effect, make it our aim not to sin. And as I thought about this, I realized that deep within my heart, my real aim was not to sin very much. Do you see what through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the gospel, he says, through him we've received grace and apostleship. Why? For the obedience of faith. To be obedient. And it says, he said the purpose of the gospel, God's will, is not to secure people who don't sin very much. That's not the purpose of the gospel. It's not to secure a life that we say, well, I'm just not going to sin very much. But the purpose of the gospel is to secure people who in their life grow to not sin but are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. That desire of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is to build in our life the obedience to not sin. That's why in Matthew 28, verse 19, right as you go through life, make disciples to teach them to observe all that I've commanded. There's this sense of obedience that we are supposed to grow in this obedience of faith. That's what the gospel does. The purpose of the gospel is to build obedience in our life. That's why we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't just go through our life and say, yeah, I'm saved and then go do whatever we want. We're going to see that later in chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Romans. We need to have this idea that As God, as we seek Christ and as the gospel comes into our life, every day we carry this gospel and we become more and more obedient to our Father who is in heaven. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And get this, look at what happened. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith as the gospel increased obedience to God increased not obedience to a law not obedience to a self righteousness but a true obedient faith let me ask you this question is the obedience to the lord a high priority in your life or is just doing good things a high priority in your life Do you guard your eyes and your hearts from sin? Or you say, well, it's not that bad. It's not like a big sin. It's just, right? Or is your goal in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, is holiness a serious concern in your life? That's the purpose of the gospel, is to create holiness in your life. It's quite, it's quite simple. Has the gospel brought obedience into my life? The desire to be obedient. If you are struggling to obey God and to want to follow and just, it's not whether you're perfect. It's not to say, yeah, no, I'm not perfect. No, it's whether you desire it. Because the gospel brings, that's the purpose of the gospel, is to bring this desire to now desire God and not to desire the things of the world. You say, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm saved? Are you desiring more of the Lord or are you desiring more of the world? If you've been saved, you're going to want more of God. And when you sin, it's going to hurt and you're going to say, I need to obey God. That's what it's saying here. We've been given grace for the obedience of the faith. And you notice it says here, I did I almost made this a separate point, but it says for all the Gentiles. The gospel was meant to create this obedience in the Lord for all people, all nation, all ethnic groups. It had the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ is for everyone. Right? And it goes back to a very similar point that we made last week in the exclusivity of the gospel, that there's only one gospel. We don't change the gospel when we go to some other culture, subculture of the world. Right? The gospel is the same whether we go to Africa, China, Germany, Europe. Right, Asia, wherever we go, the gospel is the same. The Lord Jesus Christ is the same. He brings us into the obedience of His culture, not the world's culture. Right? The gospel is the same no matter where God drops you. No matter what job he drops you in, no matter what school he drops you in, no matter what family he drops you in, because some of you are like, man, God obviously dropped me into the wrong family. right?" <laughs> no matter what church he drops you in, the gospel is the same because Christ is the gospel. It's for all the nations. Genesis 26, right from the very beginning, Right? God told Abraham. He says, "I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will bring and will give to your offsprings all these lands, and in or through your offspring all the nations or ethnos, all the nations of the world shall be blessed." Isaiah 66:18 says, "For I know their works and their thoughts, And the time is coming to gather all the nations and tongues, and they shall come and they shall see my glory. The gospel is the conduit for that. The Lord Jesus Christ is that conduit for true obedience that gathers all the nations. He's the conduit. Christ is the conduit. When we say gospel, Just, you can take the gospel out and you can put the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the good news. Without Christ, we have no news. With Christ, we have everything. Here's the other modifier in this text. And that is the gospel is for God's glory. What is the gospel for? The gospel isn't to, we put on big shows and do all these things to try to, to bring as many people into the church, right? The gospel is for God's glory. Why do we talk about Christ to people? It's for God's glory. It's not for our glory. It takes all the pressure off of you about sharing the gospel. All we are sharing about is how great Christ is and what Jesus has done for us. It's all about Christ or it's all about nothing, right? It's either for God's glory or it's for our glory. The greater that we seek to glorify God, the greater impact the gospel will have. The greater the church seeks to glorify God, the more that God will bless the gospel. It's for His name's sake. Did you notice that? It says, among all the Gentiles for the sake of His name. You go to some parts of the world and you'll notice that the gospel has been used for prosperity things, to get rich, for other schemes, for popularity, for power. But it's for God. The gospel is for the honor and the glory of the Son of God Here is the highest purpose of the gospel. The saving message is ultimately for the fame of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Jesus says in John 17, verse 10. He says, all mine. He's talking to God. He says, all mine are yours and all yours are mine. He's talking about us. All that God had given Christ through the gospel through his death, burial, and resurrection, he says, all mine are yours and all yours are mine and I am glorified in them. When people have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and and say, repent, and they believe in him, in his work, and they say, you are the gospel, you are the good news, you are the one who paid for my sin, I'm responding to that and I repent. I need you. I believe what you did for me, Christ is glorified. Ephesians 1.12, he says, So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The gospel is the praise of his glory. Romans 15.7, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The gospel is for God's glory. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. The gospel is all about glorifying God. The gospel, what is the purpose of the gospel? The gospel suc- successfully, this is a tongue twister, successfully separates the called Sec- successfully separates the called. Do you know the Bible identifies three aspects of the called? What does it mean to be called? And it's, this is a theological uh, concept of being called, and we see it in our text. We see this three aspects of the called. And you clearly defines all believers, right? And it says, in verse 6, it says, among whom you are also are the called of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in verse 7, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. And if you go back to verse 1, it says Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. There are actually three different aspects of God's call in our verses this morning. There's clearly, it's talking about believers. We have to identify who the you is whom through Christ Jesus have been called. And the first aspect there we see is, is in verse 1 that there is a vocational ministry. The called to vocational ministry. Paul was called to be an apostle in 1 Timothy 1:12. 1, he says the same thing. He says we saw as we saw in verse 1. He says I thank him, I thank God, he has given me strength Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to this service. That it means he was called to be an apostle. He was called to serve and carry the message of the gospel, to basically to identify what was the gospel to the church. Ephesians 2:10. We see we all are appointed or called to vacational ministry to the Lord. Look at verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is what the gospel has done for us, right? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were appointed for good works. We were called to God's good works for vocational ministry. Wherever you are, as you go in life, God has called you. Whether you set up meters in Bellingham, whether you build pallets, whether you help fix people's bodies because they've abused it by whatever they eat or whatever they, you know, whatever they do. Whether you, you know, fix you know help fix farms and whether you, you know, whatever they do at FastCap, you know, a little of everything. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever you do, whether you write source code in computers so that way computers look smarter than humans. But the reality is, whatever you do, you are called, the gospel calls you to serve God. You are called. The other thing that we see is, is that we have this external call of God. Whenever the gospel is made known, Right? When I say, you respond, that here is the gospel that, that Jesus came, as a, that he's God and he came in human form according to the scriptures, just as God said that the Messiah, the, the one who would pay for our sins, that would come. And because he was God, he lived a perfect life, but he lived as a, you know, as a human life, fully human, fully God, and he died. Because we are wretched. We are sinful human beings who can't stand before God because we are not holy. And God is holy and He demands purity. He demands perfection. So He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be both God and man so that way He could pay for our sins. So He rose again because He is God conquering death on our behalf because He paid for that. Put your faith and trust in that. Repent from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I say that and I call people, respond to Christ, that's the external call of the gospel. The gospel is externally called to the whole world. That's the extent that, that the God calls the whole world to respond to Him. That doesn't mean the whole world will respond to Him. So we have this external call. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 14, he said, many are called, external call, but few are chosen. That's an internal call. When God takes over your heart, when you respond to that call and God chooses to save you, your heart is forever changed. God extends our, this external call is a good way to say that He jumpstarts your heart. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, We were dead in the trespasses of our sin, and yet God made us alive through Christ Jesus our Lord. He jumpstarts our heart. Theologians call this the effectual call. It's an eternal call. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, He gives us, Another example of this internal call says, But we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brother, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you. That's the eternal call, as the first fruits to be saved. And then verse 14, To this he called you through our gospel. That's the, ex- that's the external call. The external call was the gospel, the internal call is what he did. When he took over your heart. The call. This call. The internal call. Conquers the heart. And brings that one's faith in Christ. Let me give you another illustration. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. The prisoner of the Lord. That's his vocational call. He knew. He was called to be a prisoner. I am serving the Lord. That was my call. Whether I'm a prisoner Or whether I'm free. It doesn't matter. I'm still a prisoner of the Lord. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. The calling is the external call. The called, when they got saved, is the eternal call. This is very important. Because sometimes when people hear the gospel and say, Oh yeah, I know the gospel. We think that's an eternal call. It's not. Just because you've heard the gospel, know the gospel, it doesn't mean that your heart has been changed. It's when you come to that saving realization and you basically, you've heard people say, give Jesus your heart, right? Give God your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice that God internalizes in your heart you believe. So therefore you confess with your mouth. Romans chapter 10. We are called to this one hope that belongs to your call, verse 4. Now quickly, we're running through here. It says, what else does this gospel do? The, the purpose of the gospel is the gospel blesses the called. If God has saved you, if you are saved, you know if you're saved because you have this desire to obey God, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you just, when you know that you're not obeying God, it hurts. You confess your sin and you repent and you turn your heart to the Lord because of obedience. That's what the gospel does, it creates this obedience in our life, and God blesses the called. You know what I mean? Have you ever looked at somebody that you know is saved and you look and you say, man, their life is peaceful. Man, they are just filled with this graciousness. There is this sense of grace and mercy that they exude. There's this sense of just peace that comes from them. Do you see what it says here in verse 7? To all who are beloved of God. When you are saved, when Christ takes a hold of your heart and you're saved, you are beloved. You are beloved. See, all of the things that are true prior to this, we kind of overlook. And many times when we share the gospel, we run to this and we say, You need to come to the Lord because you are beloved by God. Well, no, they're not. Not until you're called are you beloved. When you get saved, you become the beloved. To all the beloved in Rome, called as saints, grace and peace from God, our Lord, and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 4 says, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. As God chose to save us, he blesses. We are the recipients of God's very specific love. God very specifically, when he saved you, he very specifically, he loves you not just as any beloved, but one who's been set apart. You know, it's amazing to think about this. Even though the believers in Rome were were considered outcast and doomed by the powers of earth, sought after by Caesar, hated by fellow Romans, they were beloved by God of heaven. How did how did Gentiles who were dead in their sins ever come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Hmm. Dead people don't make the choice to live. Dr. Morton Lee jones when preaching this, by the way, he preached 29 sermons on chapter 1. Lord willing, I'll I'll do 12 or 15. (laughs) I'm not as smart as him. Maybe when I revisit it later in the ministry. Dr. Marlene Judge said this, we are Christians for one reason only, and that is that God has set his love on you. Jesus said this about us in John 17, 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them in I am. In them. Romans 9, verse 24, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those whom were not my people, I will call my people. Even though they were not my people, I will call them my people, he said. And her who has not believed, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. By the way, did you know that in the other part of this verse, in the second part of verse 7, it says, we are set apart special for him. The word saints, God uh, uses here, God considers his people to be consecrated, sacred, dedicated to Him, special for Him. This refers to their positional status, that their position is one who's been set apart. They have, their position is no longer of the world. They're no longer part of this world. They're now part of this world, God's world. They are loved by God and special to God that they've been now set apart from those that are dying to those who are living for eternity. And because of that specialness in which God has set you apart, he is now, that position changes our conduct. Our position in Christ, because of the gospel, changes who we are. Our conduct doesn't change who we are. Our position changes who we are. That's why in Philippians 3 3, it says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Ephesians 1 5 through 6, it says, He predestined us for adoptions to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Jesus, the gospel, the conduit, changes our status. We are no longer a slave to sin in this world, but we are adopted into the family of God, now a part of His family. Look what it goes on to say, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the beloved. The other thing is, is we enjoy God's all-sufficient grace in peace the Roman believers were in a peaceful relationship with God due to the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. There are some who think peace means quietness of conscience, that everything is quiet in their life. How many of you are everything is always quiet in your life? Right? <laughs> You're all laughing because you know that in this world that is not true. Sometimes that is as precious and, and desire that is. However, there is the, it is speaking here of being at, in a peaceful, not hostile relationship with God. We find this objective peace mentioned later in Rome, Romans, in Romans 5, one. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. But in this, in verse 7, in reference to its subjective peace, which is the inner calmness and tranquility of the heart that comes from God and God alone. Just like it says in in Philippians 4, verse 6-7, when Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God... the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. What does the gospel do? What is the purpose of the gospel? Well, ultimately it is to bless the called us that have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to enjoy an all-sufficient grace. Just as Lyle had said in 2 Corinthians, everybody was boasting about their outward things, outward adornments, outward abilities, outward treasures. But he said this in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The more we are weak, the more that God's grace is applied. Notice where grace and peace are found only from God. The world will never give you or satisfy this all-sufficient grace and peace. The world will never bring all of your abilities, all of your outcomes will never bring inner peace. Only the gospel only the Lord Jesus Christ, your life will lack peace and tranquillity until you are right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you believe? Is that your belief? Is that your trust? Will you believe on Christ today? Will you put your faith totally in Him today and not rely on your works or your religion? If so? You will be saved. That is the gospel that's found in Romans. As we want to get the gospel right, it's all about Christ. The purpose of the gospel is still all about Christ and not about us. We benefit from it being all about Christ. Because if we don't have Christ, then our gospel is in vain. It's nothing. There's false peace, false grace false humility, there is false obedience, there is false religion. But with Christ, we have everything that we need. Who do you have today that's in charge of your heart? Who is in charge of your heart today? Because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ blesses those in amazing ways who are called Lord we thank you for this simple but profound truth Lord I pray that that you would prick the hearts of many that you would jumpstart their hearts that they would hear the call of the gospel that they would, respond according to what you have done that they would not respond to what they do or what they can do but in the deadness of their sin would they cry out for mercy and ask you to save them based on their repentance turning from their sin and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and realizing that through Christ they have forgiveness of their sin There is none good, there is none righteous, there is none who truly seek God. Everyone who seeks to be religious really seeks things for themselves. Lord, it is such a trap. There is such a calling, a trap today. The culture of our world is seek to build up ourselves, and yet we minimize Christ. But may we magnify Christ. And may we humbly come to you. Lord, so many times we think being saved means doing whatever we want. But really, the gospel, our salvation, is calling us to a life of obedience. May that be our desire. And if it's not, may we truly be honest and say, maybe, truthfully, I have not responded to Christ and to his work on the cross. And may someone today cry out and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need you. I am not obedient to you. I never have been, but I want. I need to give my life to you. And that they would call out for mercy. May they realize that all they have in life is you. And may you save them today and recognize what you have done for their life. Lord, may this truth of the gospel empower our church, our fellowship, our coming and going, our supplying the needs of the many. But may it solely be because of our love of Christ. May we seek you with everything that we have.